0: How are you doing, Arizona Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Arizona Podcast. I'm your host, Dax. Gabe, Brennan, and I are excited to bring you another episode.
1: Brent is the and you're just a hostage. If you drop to the flat, it's gonna be a great day. So, whenever I'm stepping over your head like an ostrich y'all crazy. Poopy's been waiting for this, suckers been hating for this. You know why? PJ, get down in the stands today, it's gonna be a great day. Cause so many of y'all are relating to this. Jealous is how. <laughs> Feeling intentionally But then start to love it Because I made it eventually Pumping the music I keep Are you gonna like Open up your hips today? The music like pumping Cause rent ain't in it for nothing I keep the average crop jumping Yo, you know the Are you gonna line up In your gap today, Seven? Color The villain's in black Always oh, down I make noise And attack So you better get back Unless you wanna come with it And make your face like I want our knees bent I wanna bust down low I want our eyes up Got targeted Close your eyes when I hit it You're screaming with fear And this with Eyes up, eyes up, eyes up Right there, good Good, stay low We gotta have good palo load go Fear that you're screaming you're up in a sweat, because Ren is giving back dreams. I'm not scheming, I'm just telling the facts. That's how it is when a WA starts to attack. Right here, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here,
0: eyes up. We are now on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Remember, we are the Arizona Podcast. That's Echo Romeo Alpha Zona Podcast. When you enter your search, remember to follow Gabe Encinas at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon Combs at U of A Beardown 07. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast Zona. Visit us on Facebook at the Arizona Podcast and email the podcast at Podcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to email, tweet, and Facebook post any comments or questions. Uh, shout out to Chris uh, at Four Ply Guy for uh, shoot, shooting his picks to us. Let's run down the games, gentlemen, um, and see where we're how we did in our most recent week. Um, we'll save the most suspenseful game for our fuller breakdown at the end, but let's start with uh, UCL at Oklahoma. This was a uh, lambasting by Oklahoma, as predicted, uh, forty-nine to twenty-one. Uh, didn't quite cover the spread. Uh, it was only a twenty-eight point difference, and the spread was thirty. Uh, So So close. So close. (laughs) Two two little points there. Uh, Gabe was the only one who picked UCLA. Um, Also blew the over out, and so Gabe and Brandon nailed those. Uh, You guys uh, watched a little bit of this game. Uh, Tell me what you thought about it.
2: You know, it it actually very much kind of reminds me of what's kind of going on in Arizona. Like Chip Kelly is trying to put his system into a – a team that he barely recruited like he does have some of his players in there that he recruited but most of them weren't so there's gonna be a lot of growing pains there um i mean i think we like we all you know a couple podcasts ago we all three of us predicted ucla is gonna have a very rough year and it's it's starting out exactly like that you know it it, it, but it, it definitely showed against oklahoma i don't it, i don't know what it is it's just um i don't think it's necessarily the offense it's more or less the defense that's having a major issue for ucla in my opinion dorian thompson robinson yeah he's a true freshman and everything but i mean he's going to be really really good um all the experience that he's gaining this year he's it's just going to make him a lot better next year so but right now i definitely think the major problem with the bruins is is their defense yeah
3: i, I didn't watch too much of this but i think uh it's definitely a, a better step in the direction when you have Dorian Thompson Robinson over, um, who was, uh, Wilton Spate, but yeah, it's going to be some growing pains for sure. I, I don't know if they're still going to, you know, make a bowl game, but I do think overall they are in a better direction with Dorian.
0: Nice. So, uh, Portland state was a sacrificial lamb at Oregon. Uh, Gabe, you caught a little bit of this game. How'd Oregon look?
3: I mean, Oregon is Oregon right now. I mean, they're just putting up points right now. A lot of there was a lot of hype around Justin Herbert this week. I saw on Twitter where you know people think he's the number one pick and the best quarterback prospect that they have this year. I yeah, uh, I'm I'm still not like sold on Herbert. I'm definitely not. Or Browning is way down there for me. But like Herbert's like not that much further uh, from myself, but. Yeah, I mean Oregon, Oregon looks pretty good so far, and they, yeah, they're putting up points.
0: Gabe, you didn't hear Browning talk about how he wants to be the guy you're gonna go to battle with. Oh God, no! Br- I didn't. Browning ramen noodle arm, Jake. No, don't. Rick, <laughs> you don't want him standing in your corner. Come on, Gabe. I can't believe that. I'm uh, sure. no. All right, uh, any comments there, uh, Brandon?
2: Uh, So I will say um, I agree with Gabe. I think there's way too much hype around Herbert. I'm not going to – I mean he does have talent, but I'm I'm not – like Gabe, I'm not completely sold. Um, One thing I will say I do like about Herbert's game is I I saw that guy stand in the pocket uh, and take a wallop. Like he had guys right in his face and he still threw the ball right on the money. Um, But I think that has a lot to do with his receivers as well. Like if you have good receivers, it makes it very, very easy for – you know, a QB to, to like, just, I don't want to say chuck it up, but like at least stand in the pocket for a little bit and and make a throw. But yeah, I'm not, I mean, they played Bowling green and then they've played Portland state. So like it kind of, you know, you're just kind of like, I don't really know. Of course, Oregon's going to look good against those guys. Bowling green gave them a run for their money. No kidding. In the first half uh, of that game. So it's going to, I'm going to be interested to see how Oregon actually plays once they get into a tougher schedule with the conference play.
3: Yeah, and they get San Jose State this week, and they're 0-2. So oh, no. Just... no. no. no.
2: no. no. Yeah,
3: three, three, three games that I really wish Arizona could have had to start with. But for for Justin Herbert to be a number one pick, I don't know about that.
0: Oregon's doing everything from Rich Rod's book. They're taking all our recruits and they're lining (laughs) up the cupcakes left and right. So shout out to Colorado for. taking down the Huskers, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, 33-28. Nebraska was actually giving up the points on this, so uh, me and Brandon nailed Colorado on this one. Uh, And with an over-under of 64, everybody took the under, so that was a good bet. Um, I just thought Nebraska looked pretty Hapless Man. at quarterback with their depth situation there, and uh, credit to Colorado uh, once again. Uh, Viscus uh, comes through with a very uh, slippery performance, and uh, he's now the uh, he's he's leading Khalil Tate in likelihood for Heisman uh, hype this year. What do you guys think about that game?
2: Well, my boy Stephen Montez. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> say. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> Your quarterback.
2: Dude, um, you know, like, I like. I was actually very impressed. Sorry, I gave. It, I was actually yeah, very no, impressed. I was very impressed with Montez uh, during the game. Like I think like he, he definitely took a step forward like that. This isn't, this wasn't a like gimme game. This wasn't like a cupcake game. This wasn't even like, this was kind of a a good test actually for a second, second game of the season, even if Nebraska hasn't played a game yet. But um, man, it was, that was, that was a very impressive uh, performance in my opinion by, by Montez. And of course, LaVisca Chanel is uh, he's going to be a problem
0: you got um, to insert a slippery joke there. I mean, it's required. LaViscus. The LaVis- The viscosity. Yeah, the viscosity. He's super slippery. Like a, he was yeah, very he slick.
2: Very, very slippery, very, very fast. Um, he, yeah,
3: yeah, he's going to be a very, he's going to be a big he's slippery badass. problem. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I I'm I'm impressed that Colorado came away with the win, but man, what a bonehead play um, that that Nebraska safety gave up! I yeah. think it was just uh, I don't know what they call him for targeting or hitting a defenseless receiver, which pretty much led to the final score. But yeah, love this guy. Just checked, he leads the nation in receiving. So uh, yeah, he, he's uh, he's pretty good.
0: Is it Montez or is it Chenault?
3: I think it's both. Yeah. Because Montez has to get him the ball,
2: right? And Montez <laughs> doesn't just throw to Chenault. So.
0: All right, I'm going with the biscuit there. All right, so um, uh, U- Utah rolls into uh, Northern Illinois University and pulls out the 17-6 win. Uh, Utah was a ten point uh, was giving up ten points. They they got their 11. They covered. So all three of us had Utah um, at the low score. The over under on that game was 47 and a half. So with only 23 points scored. Uh, Brandon and I pulled out the ender on that one. Uh, any comments on this one?
2: People think Arizona has offensive problems. No. no, Not not compared to Utah. Utah is, uh, I mean, Arizona has its fair share, new system, whatever. You, this is Utah's second year running the same system, and it is just not not there. It's, I can't even, like, their, their offense is atrocious.
0: Death taxes yeah. and Utah's offense sucking, right? 17 yeah.
2: points. None and of one of same. them was not in the first half. Dude, and one of them was a pick six
3: by Hanson. I mean, so that's
0: <laughs> defensive. So, I mean, <laughs> 10 points them. Of yeah. All righty. So, um, moving on to the big game of the week in the Pac 12. Uh, Stanford. Nerds! 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 uh snare! Laid it to SC 17 to 3. Ford was giving up six points. Uh, and we all have Ferd, so we covered there. But the over-under on this game and the biggest head-scratcher of the universe was 56.5 points. Shockingly, all three of us nailed the under. What would you gentlemen think about the game of the week in the Pac-12? Uh,
2: USC, five
3: straight pass attempts, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, and Bryce Love, sorry. Yeah, I mean, Stanford just, I mean, it was a very slow game, and it was kind of hard to watch, but you had to watch because it was close pretty much. The, well, I mean, it wasn't too close, but, uh, you know, you still felt like USC was still kind of in it, but. Yeah, Bryce Love took over after what, like, 20 yards against San Diego State. So, yep. I, I think Stanford's probably right now the the team to be. I really don't buy into Washington that much, and uh, again, Jake Browning. So, they're they're my team to be right now for the pack easily. And yeah, man, if you actually look like, and, and Dax, you'll probably agree with this too. Like that was like it just
2: showed how vulnerable J T. Daniels is as QB.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been beating the drum. There's no way a high school senior is going to come into the power five and and do well. Now, he could be, you know, the number one overall pick and and lead them to a national championship his junior year before he leaves for the pros. Don't get me wrong, but in that particular situation, the lumps are going to come. It's it's just inevitable. Um, I'm shocked Stanford still doesn't um, get any more love. Bill Connolly put out some updated projections we're going to move into for not good reasons. But he still has Stanford at seven point nine wins um, with only a Eesh. only a half a game in what what yeah that's his projected win seven point nine the team doesn't get any respect. I think the only legitimate complaint you can put about Shaw well maybe two one you guys' point about this game seeming closer than it was is always true with Stanford. But stylistically, they're not going to jack up the score. They're not going to run a zillion plays. Oh, yeah. So you're always going to be within one quick play of getting back into the game. And two, he is doggedly determined. But to me, that's not something I knock people for. I think that's actually a representative of people that are successful. But that's just my opinion on that. So, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's a crockpot. You turn it on, you flip the switch, eventually you get soft meat, and that's what <laughs> USC turned into. So, um, Cal? Uh, at BYU, our pick bias uh, for our own homer status is pretty evident here. Uh, BYU was BYU you was given up three points. Um, the over/under was uh, 46.5. We all went under, and we all went BYU, and then Cal promptly went in there and, and won uh, 21-18. What do you guys think of this one? Other than it's embarrassing that Cal went in and won at BYU, <laughs> we couldn't take care of them at home. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep i mean that's pretty much it i didn't catch too much of it but yeah that's just bad when when we lost pretty badly i mean there was i mean we i guess there was a hope in the fourth quarter but yeah, I mean, we really lost by five you know yeah but but soundly they are just running it down our throats and so to have cal go in there with a win yikes yeah yeah but, i mean it, it kind of just speaks honestly uh I and mean,
2: we kinda of alluded to again when we did our uh, preseason preview, I mean, we we all thought that uh, Cal was gonna take a step forward this year, and I think we're actually starting to see that because going in I don't going in a BYO provo and, and and winning is not easy.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the fact that we all went BYU and over just shows that we thought BYU was better than they are, and that's a reflection of how poorly we estimated our own team. Even more yikes than that, uh, Michigan State comes in at minus six at ASU.
3: But it wasn't all good news in college basketball. BYU forward
2: Brandon Davis was kicked off the basketball team after he admitted to violating the school's honor code by having premarital sex with his girlfriend. Luckily, his girlfriend goes to Arizona State, so she actually got course credit.
0: ASU pulls out the win 16-13. Over-under was 54, and they didn't come close to that. So me taking ASU, they're, they're my new team. I'm on the ASU bandwagon this year. I'm just going to pick them for everything. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, listen, that pass interference call that gave them the game-winning drive was straight nonsense um Ew. that was a that was a 50 50 battle that was, should have been no flag they don't get that they're not kicking that field goal because they were way far back after that but uh you know you leave it all on the grass or whatever nonsense herm gibberish is about and what do you guys think about this game
2: so one thing i thought is what it actually showed me was that um <clears throat> i i st- let me tell you something. i do not buy into this asu nonsense that everyone is talking about all of a sudden uh, to me if you look at if you look at the utah state and michigan state game and then you look at michigan state and arizona state it, it's very very apparent to me that michigan state was way overrated uh to start the season um their offense isn't that great their defense isn't that great um yeah th- this is a common this th- to me this is like this is like notre dame every year they're very overrated right so this this is this is exactly what that feels like this is michigan state a case of michigan state being overrated um and and because of that getting obviously getting outplayed by um by arizona state that and then you know that bogus pass interference call so well,
0: lay the hate on us gabe lay the hate on us
3: uh, I mean I do think I do think that um, Michigan state is overrated a bit uh, kind of I know it's gonna even bring up Michigan state to uh, or uh, Notre Dame as well with <laughs> that comparison but I mean I'm still impressed that they were able to hang out I mean I, I fell asleep like midway through the third quarter uh, so I don't I don't know too much about what went on but I, I, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, okay, this 2 and zero star, like, there's a lot of Herm hype right now. And granted, nobody would have expected it, especially them being 2-0 and o in Arizona, o and 2 But I still give Herm some credit just because I, I'm impressed that he outcoached Mark D'Antonio, or maybe he didn't. But in my thought, I, I, th- I, I think very highly of Mark D'Antonio. So... I think that's an impressive win. And I still think there's a chance they could lose at, I think they're at San Diego state this week, even if it's at home, I still don't really like that a whole lot, but I mean, they, they, they're still two and zero, so good for them. Cause I thought they'd win like four. I mean, they still could only win four games, but I mean, they're halfway there already.
0: Yeah. I, I took the over on this one. Now, Uh, Brandon was giving me credit for thinking Cal was going to be good, and that is not what I did. Um, (laughs) However, I did think ASU was going to be better than (laughs) than they were ranked. And so, um, you know, uh, but as I've said before, um, they've played very well at home. And so the home games have come. Um, We'll have to see how the road situation bears out. But, you know, that Notre Dame victory that they all hung their hats on forever, that was a bad Notre Dame team. And so, um, it, this, this, this exactly could easily bear like. out to be a bad Michigan State team. And does anybody recall how bad that Wisconsin team they won on that ridiculous? We're going to let the clock uh, run out yeah. before we spot the ball play against where he Wisconsin. Sat on the ball, yeah. Where the ref took four days <laughs> to spot the ball. Yeah. I mean, how would that well, team end up that year? Does
3: anybody remember?
2: I can't. What year was that? I can't remember. It had to be. Uh, like 12, that was. It had to let's be see, 12, I was a sophomore. They won the South,
3: right? The 2013 season.
2: Uh, I don't think that was a great one. Let me find out.
0: Let's pull that up, and I'll pull up uh, Notre Dame stats for it. Had to be um, two thousand uh, fourteen, then, right?
3: I think it's thirteen.
0: Dude, pick. Take your pick on Notre Dame, man. Pick a year. Pick a year. Any year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, All right. So let's see. So you think it was fourteen, Gabe?
3: I think it was 13. Cause that was my sophomore year.
0: Okay. So for,
3: for Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. yeah Wisconsin was a year before. Maybe it was two years before.
3: Oh no. Yeah, man. This was uh, I mean, they
2: had Melvin Gordon and James white, but in a very young Corey Clement, but this is also when they had uh Joel Stave as their, as their quarterback who, let's be honest, wasn't terribly great.
0: So I got Notre Dame here. It was 2013. You know, the loss at ASU on October 5th. That team went nine and four. So not horrible, but nothing special. So this Wisconsin team,
3: Wisconsin went nine and four four as well. well. Well, Yep. Yeah, and they
0: they ended up the scene at 25. So I guess they weren't horrible teams. I was probably overstating because of our bias, but still, they were hardly you know. World beaters. It's
2: it's accurate in my mind. Yeah,
0: exactly. Whatever. I'm not going to remember it that way ever. Um, We'll we'll pick up on that when we move on to San Diego State, and we'll see how all this plays out. But you're right. The the tongue bath. I mean, all you got to do is go to ESPN's ever declining. uh, You know. Uh, programming choices. And even in our own hometown, the the ESPN radio guys slurping Herm Edwards in ASU. So I get that our team's not doing well, but the last thing you want to do in Tucson is start talking about great things happening in ASU. It's nonsensical. Uh, let's move on to uh, San Jose State at Washington State. You are without doubt the worst pirate
1: I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me.
0: Washington State Cougars uh, bloom out 31 thirty-one zero. They did not cover the spread at thirty-four point five. That was um, so close again. Yeah, we're not even gonna we're not even gonna list your totals for a while, Brandon. We want you to be able to come back. <laughs> for sure. don't about those out loud. Uh, so Gabe and I hit San Diego, uh, San Jose State, and uh, we both hit on the under, um, which was sixty-five and a half. So let's get to the big game here. Uh, Houston was given up three and a half. Uh, they could have given up quite a bit more than that at a 45-18 shellacking by Houston. Um, did, uh, did not hit the over-under, though. Uh, so we all hit on the under, and uh, Gabe and I, being the eternal pessimists, uh, hit on Houston for that game. Uh, Shout-out to our uh, guy, Chris, at, at Four-Ply Guy. He nailed UCLA, uh, the over in that game, the Utah against the spread, the under in the sc third game. Cal against the spread, ASU against the spread, San uh, San Jose State uh, uh, against the spread, Utah. I mean, excuse excuse me, Houston against the spread and the under on that game. Uh, so for overall, before we get into the breakdown of the game, uh, Gabe went uh, five and eight against the spread and five and eight uh, on the over under. Uh, Brandon went uh, three and eight against the spread and five and eight on the over under, and I went six of eight uh, against the spread and five for eight on the over under so let's talk about the game gentlemen uh, why don't you start first brandon since you're gonna put a nice pleasant spin on it
2: yeah well i mean uh i don't know how i mean the, really first off i'll start with the positives um sean poindexter was was a very pleasant surprise in that that game uh he definitely stood out and got recognized by a power. F- uh what was that uh, pro, pro football? football. So yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Pro football focus for his, for his effort. He had a career day of seven catches, 134 yards. Uh, you can start to see his growth coming along very, very nicely. And you can definitely tell that he is probably one of uh, the receivers that Khalil Tate trust the most. Um, so that was a positive. Another positive, um, and, and a person that I think is actually going to have a really good career as as he's you know the longer or as his uh, whole career starts going along, and even as the season goes along, is uh, Darius Smith. Uh, he looked really, actually, pretty, pretty decent, even with Ed Oliver in in the game and and everything like that. He he's just a shifty, uh, shifty, speedy back. Uh, has a quick burst, and you know he was actually play, uh, running with some toughness. So that was actually really nice to see
0: um we all predicted darius smith having that game didn't we
2: oh god yes absolutely uh tony ellison also looked really great um once he got uh he got you know four catches for 60 something yards i think and um uh his 46 yarder was 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 the biggest play of the day that was a really nice catch and run by him um Sean Brown had his moments, you know, he he looked good but he had a couple drop passes that just I don't I mean it seems like he does that every year. Um and again, the pass protection was actually really good. Um it was pretty solid for the most part even with Ed Oliver. There was a couple of times he busted through on the pass pro, but like for the most part he actually they they actually held their own. Uh and that's that's a big uh, atonement or a big um shout out rather to Josh McCauley, who's you know, walk on center, first year playing center, and took on Ed Oliver head on and actually didn't do too bad.
3: And smacked him.
2: And oh, God, that was like <laughs> the best part of that. Yeah, thank you, man. I see it every day and it still still makes me laugh. Um, so, moving on to some of the negatives, uh, I already mentioned Sean um, dropping a couple of passes, but uh, let's go with I will start with the run blocking. It is still not good. It's still not where it needs to be in order for Arizona to establish a significant running game. Um, you kind of hope as the season progresses, and it's possible, especially with Leith coming back this year, or yeah, she's coming back this week, uh, and then having those, uh, you know, having uh, Donovan Lay move over uh, to right tackle and Creason move over to left guard. Um, it, it, it should. And it's, it seems like it's something that could help in the long run, you know, with, with Brightwell, it's kind of the negative about him is that it's not that he doesn't run hard or he doesn't try. It's just that he's, you know, if you look at his stats, I think he has like 22, 23 carries for only like 66 yards. That's not that great. You want to see more production out of him uh help open up the running game because jj can't do it by himself um Derry smith won't be able to do it by himself so you need that we need brightwell he's actually a bigger back at 6 one or something like that to actually like break through and start doing well um and then let's get into like uh and then the play calling uh some of the play calling was was fine but then some of it just didn't make any sense uh, i remember on like a third and two i think it was in the first quarter
0: um, Run JJ Taylor directly right at the number at one draft Ed pick Olive. at defensive tackle. That sounds like an excellent plan.
2: Yes, that that was not smart. And then you go. How many
0: pounds just, is JJ like, J. Taylor given up to Ed Oliver?
2: So JJ's like one eighty four, yeah. but like that Ed
3: Oliver's like what 2 – It's gotta be two eighty, if not three hundred. Yeah, yeah, I mean.
0: So, yeah, let's um, let's send our our scat back in to the middle of that nightmare. I mean it. And, it's, it, it, multiple times
2: yeah it, then you go to like uh, after like i said after tony's 46 yard uh pass and you're like holy crap i mean arizona's about to score and then and, and it might actually make it very very interesting let's go for four straight runs up the middle um that <laughs> i don't understand that one uh to 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 this day it still i still has me scratching my head like why wasn't there like a, a tight end rollout why wasn't there or you know bootleg or some something like that um it just four straight runs up the middle I don't I don't get it um the last play I think it was Kane maybe it was Creason one of the, one of those guys on the right side actually missed a block and that's what caused uh Gary Brightwell to actually uh not make the goal line um I will say and I kind of talked with I kind of Thought I saw it during during the game, and then uh, when Lev does his like re- replay or rewatch and everything of the game, uh, he mentioned it as well. It, I swear to God, it looked like Darius Smith actually got into the end zone on the second play. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the same thing or not, but it, it looked very, at least very close, uh, closer than the spot that they gave him. But um, so that was kind of kind of interesting. But um, in situations like that, I was really shocked with. The play calling like why why i get third and two it's a running situation but why not do i don't know jj to the outside or something like that or or just a short pass play to shun brown because he's been he was doing it all day uh so that was that was kind of frustrating
0: uh and then kevin someone said in the post-game press conference you got to be able to get a yard um what about his offensive line makes him think that offensive line is going to get a yard. You can't scheme for a yard as a head coach. Am I being overly critical by thinking that's just nonsensical coach speak?
2: No, I don't, I I don't think it's nonsensical coach speak. I think, I mean, it's understandable for him to, to say something like that. Um, But this offensive
0: line is, you know, hashed together and has underperformed in the run. I mean, to me, that just, smacks of lack of insight or arrogance or I, I don't even know what the right word for it is
2: Nah, I don't think it's arrogance or even or even not uh, lack of insight I think it's just you know as a coach you gotta you got to show confidence in your players there are times that you don't but like if you you know you're in a game situation you gotta show confidence in your players at, at some point in time right um, Cause you can't just pull the whole damn offensive line or, or not run whatsoever. Um, my point was like, you just, if, okay. So for instance, at the goal line, okay, we just tried two runs in a row, not working. Let's try something else. Right. Cause at that point you trusted your offensive line twice. Again, that's Mazzoni calling the plays. So um, it's a little different um, than, than, you know, someone uh, or even rich rod who was the head coach and actually really called the plays. Um, and then let's go into uh, the last negative I'll talk about uh, because I want I want Gabe will probably be able to speak to the defense more than more than I could because um, it was just god awful, um, and I don't want to take up too much time talking. Uh, I think, and you and you, we were talking about it before before we started recording. There's something seems off with Khalil. Um, Yes, Mazzoni has some types of plays that you're like, eh, but when they said that they tried, that they were going to make Cleo run, or like, not really make, but like, design, more design runs and everything. Release the like, Tate. Yeah, you actually saw it. There were RPOs. He was running, and then all of a sudden, like, I, I have no idea if he actually hurt his ankle or not. Um, I don't want to speculate on anything like that, but I, I, what I want to say is that there's just seems like there's something different about Tate. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if he's trying to prove something. I don't know if like he's trying to work on something in these first few games. Um, I'm not entirely sure. It just doesn't seem... He doesn't seem like he's making the same decisions as he did last year. Does is that, is that make sense what I'm trying to say? Like, well, it's just something off.
0: When he ran for that touchdown in the third quarter, his foot looked just fine. So I'm not quite exactly. sure what and then that he, was about.
2: Yeah, and then, like, you know, him, he he looked fine in the fourth quarter when he had a sprint, you know, so I, I don't know. Some, some's off. But I'll, I'll have Gabe. I'll, I'll stop talking now so Gabe can uh, start
0: <laughs> bashing the defense. Yeah, you crush him, Gabe
3: yeah I, I mean really the defense it, they don't even look prepared out there like it's just Sloyd, it, they're not in position i don't think it's it's on the player's fault necessarily i mean yeah you got some you, you are banged up the defensive line saw some injuries Derek Bowles had to step out uh was it belky who was the other one who else left uh belky had a he had a, a banged up knee Okay.
2: Um,
0: didn't Bowles go got injured
2: yeah Bulls. yeah, Bulls also went uninjured. I think uh, – actually, I was think uh, DFF, he also got hurt. Yeah,
3: yeah. He, he left for some time, but I mean – That uh, was late in the game, was, though. Yeah. Um, and then you're still missing Jace Whitaker. You don't have Scotty Young. So I get it. Like, they, they were kind of missing some guys, and you're playing as easy her in that corner, which is not a good sign for me personally, but – I mean it's and then Xavier Bell was starting in place of Tristan Cooper. He didn't make the trip, so you are missing a lot of key pieces, and it is a super young group. But I mean, they just it just doesn't look like the same defense last year. Still no sacks, still no turnovers, and so really, it's just and in year three again, kind of going back to last week where you know you you brought in eight to nine returning starters and had some guys with previous starting experience coming back here again, you had some injuries and you're missing some guys, but man, they just look like they're not in position to play and make a play. And it's just, they're getting run over constantly. And it's like, yeah, I mean, last year, the, the, they did get masked a little bit because of Khalil Tate. I mean, they were still giving up 42 points in some games, and Khalil was able to put up 45. But you just would think that there would be some sort of improvement from last year, especially with the new scheme and and all of that. I It's just really mind-boggling to me. Gabe, do you feel like
0: Marcel Yates is trying to sell you a used car? Whoa. <laughs> um... Listen, I don't think we need to beat this game to death. Everybody who watched this game knew it was bad. I I appreciate the attempts to parse out the details, but to me, this game wasn't the game that we want to invest a lot of time and effort in breaking down, because in my opinion, those 18 points were well after Houston had cashed it in and moved into the the backups, and that's the natural letdown in a situation like this. I, I have three points I'd like to summarize that I think completely cover this game, and really all you need to know because i and, and we can talk a little bit about what lev pointed out in in his breakdown of the the program but here's a long and short of it this is a team that can't stop the run this is a team that can't run the ball that's a guaranteed losing strategy to your point Gabe, in the past maybe some takeaways on defense covered up for a lot of their deficiencies um in like third down and the total points and yards given up um, but they don't have that going for them this year and certainly we don't have take going for us i would say the biggest indictment of this team is on the second play of the second half this team has scored zero points they're getting completely blown out it's their second drive of the second half they get the ball there's 12 left in the game they have a chance to make something happen and they have to call a timeout before they snap the ball on a change of possession To me, that is completely inexcusable, both on the quarterback and on the coaching staff, and that does not reflect well on them at all.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I mean, I don't understand like how. I'm not sure what miscommunication there was. So yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be at this point. You know, or at that point in the game. You know, you come out, you just want to score points. There, you should have a play ready and 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 go. So, I'm not sure what that was all about. Yeah, That's a good
0: point. Yeah, just horrifically bad. All right, so uh, Michael Lev threw an article up uh, on September 13th, talking about um, you know basically where we're going. Um, you know, people are trying to take you know the moral victory, solace in the fact that we ran 100 plays and only scored 18 points. I you know I watched this team when it had Nick Foles in its last season, and the only good thing about that season either. Uh, or the only good thing about that season was the ASU victory. Uh, the rest was hot garbage, and that that team had the same problem. They could run a million plays between the 20s, and they couldn't score anything. And, and that's, you know, that's not a good thing to say you scored, you know, well, great, we ran 100 plays. Who cares? I mean, you were behind. You were running against the second string. Basically, the long and short of it is, um, you know, we're averaging well below. Previously, Arizona was averaging, uh, you know, points per play if we would have had a day consistent with our previous scoring average we would have scored about 41 points but right now arizona is averaging uh 0.243 points per game which is in the bottom third of the country And that includes the safety uh, against Houston, our 0.243, represents a significant drop from last year. In 2017, the Cats averaged uh, 0.591, which was one of the best in the nation. You know, that's a big drop off. And then, you know, Khalil Tate at this point in time has uh, 34 yards on 14 carries. Um, hardly the Heisman uh, candidate we thought he was going to be. He was previously averaging, uh, you know, 128.3 uh, rushing yards in his 11 games last season. Last year, he completed 62% of his passes with 14 to nine uh, touchdown to interception ratio. This year, he's completing an abysmal 51. 51- 8.9% with a one to two touchdown interception ratio with an average uh, per attempt uh, going from 8.9 to 6.8. So you alluded to a brand and you think there's something up with Khalil, maybe a little more than the ankle injury, uh, maybe a little more than a transition to a new offensive coordinator. Is this as simple as uh, the offensive coordinator and the uh, quarterback getting on the same page, Gabe?
3: Um, I mean, I think to be honest, I think they're kind of just on the same page where they both just they're trying to throw the ball a lot more and trying to get him into this kind of pro style offense that just doesn't really fit the offense in total. I mean, this should be a kind of run first Khalil Tate with some short passing games that gets your athletes in space uh, outside running game. And so for me, you know, like Brandon said, I think it's just a little bit more in Khalil Tate. Maybe he's just a little bit more greedy this year where he's out to get his and his only this year. And he's going to try to make those tight throws or make those deep plays. And so, you know, cause I feel like if, if it wasn't, and then on the Noel part, I mean, for him, I think if, if he wasn't happy with what Khalil was doing, then he would tailor his plays to, hey, all right, let's ring this back in a little bit and let's uh, go with the intermediate game. But, I mean, they're still letting it rip. And, you know, the ankle injury, Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure how much that really affected the game plan, because in Khalil's postgame interview, he was saying that, you know, his injury didn't really change anything at all. So, You know, it's just very interesting. It just seems like there's just a lot of different pulling interests right now on the offense, and, you know, it's led Arizona to 0-2 and and 41 points in two games, and I feel like a lot of people would have expected 41 to be put up on BYU. So, just interesting to think about.
2: Another interesting aspect, too, is kind of like what you're alluding to that's just just odd is – that free play that <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, that that uh Arizona had and Khalil had and he had Devon Cooper and it was it was it Bearhill or Cooper. It was one of them wide open for a first down and he just kinda chucks it out of bounds. Like I don't Yeah, we do have to know. lose. I don't understand that.
0: At, yeah. yeah, I
2: don't understand that at all. So that's that's kind of an example of what I'm saying. Like
0: something's off. It it, it ain't. Get, it it's so bad you want to have amnesia, right? Um, well, <laughs> let's spend some time talking about the offensive line changes because I think it's really interesting. I think there's a big shout out to Donovan Lay for being included in the mix uh, when. Uh, Lath came back, and he's moving to right tackle. And so, um, I found that to be surprising. Uh, what do you guys think about the new alignment? And I think it's pretty easy to to you know make a reasonable. Uh, assumption that a, a significant improvement in Khalil Tate's uh, protection, which I don't think necessarily is the weakness of the line currently, and hopefully subsequently an improvement in the running game is really going to help him gel and move forward uh, as he works on, you know, expanding our offensive productivity. Uh, how do you guys see the offensive line playing out, Brandon?
2: I uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I actually think it might be pretty good., uh, it makes sense to have Creason move over to to guard. He's actually he's, in my opinion, he has the body type for a guard more more than a tackle. Um, but he, you know bringing uh, lathe back and then you have Creason back there. it actually to me makes me feel a little bit better because uh, you have a lot more protection on uh, Khalil's blind side. so um, you know, uh, cause those guys can hold their own. Um, I mean, lath has is, is pretty, pretty darn consistent. Like he does have a couple of like, uh, he's, he has gotten hit a couple of times, but like for the most part, he's been pretty consistent and, um, and probably is Arizona's best offensive lineman, uh, right now. Um, and then Donovan. Yeah. Like I think with Donovan, um, I saw his mom tweet out after that change had come out that he hasn't played right tackle in a while but I don't think that's that big of an issue because if you actually watch him, he's been pretty good uh, for the most part. I mean, yes, he makes freshman mistakes and everything, but uh, having him and, and uh, Bryson Kane on the right side might actually be a pretty good, uh, pretty good duo in my opinion, because uh, both of them are very athletic for their size um, and you know, having them be the main guys that, 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 well, not really the main guys, but having them block, you know, Khalil's front would, is always a pretty good um, statement, in my opinion.
3: Uh, See, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean, Leith obviously is the most experienced, most talented offensive lineman on the roster. So having him back at the blind side, like Brandon mentioned, uh, you know, that that can only help. And I am surprised that uh, Donovan is actually just flipping over to right side. I was very curious what was going to happen with the left side of the line once Lath came back just because of that red shirt rule now, like, okay, you can use lay for two games and then uh, keep Theo LaCusa left guard. But now I, I agree with Brandon as well. I think Cody Creason, he's not like a lean six, four kind of guy. Like he's kind of just a, a stockier kind of guy, not exactly the long arm. So I do think guard is, is a good spot. I hope there's not much of an adjustment period. I know uh, Joe Gilbert was moving guys along the line and getting them one, just to maximize their depth, but two, just getting them familiar with other positions. So we'll see if there's much of a transition. But when you're next to Lathe Freak, that's going to help quite a bit. So uh, lay at right tackle is going to be interesting, but um, you know that's another game that uh, this O line gets under their belts, and so. You're hoping you can really utilize Southern Utah to get things going, get the offense going, get the running game and Khalil Tate, you know, more involved. And so, I'm I'm pleased with the progress. And I'm it, the the one thing that is concerning is that both Theo Lacusa and Michael LTC are not in the lineups. And Lacusa I think was a top three hundred and fifty guy, and say was close to a top one hundred and fifty guy. So, you know, those guys are getting beat out by you know, some, some younger guys, uh, or, you know, just some random position changes. So it's interesting to see, but I'm, I'm hoping that the offensive line with Lath does see a pretty good improvement. And I think once, uh, kind of to your
2: point, I think once the offensive line has more, more gels more, you know, and it probably will with Lathe back into the, uh, back into the mix, I would not be surprised to see, um, you know, Elatisse or or Lucas uh, actually rotate in because if you if you notice, um, Kevin Sumlin hasn't been. I don't think he's been very happy with having to play, um, his, his you, know, you know the offensive line like a hundred snaps a game. You know he he didn't seem he that's something that he pointed out through both games is that that the offensive line has played the majority of the game the whole time, right? So um, I think having Lathback back will actually also. Cause the line to gel better, and then we'll be able to, you know, put in Lauti, say, to get more snaps, and then Lucas, and rotate guys in and out. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting concept. I, I've always thought, if you know, obviously, the the five men working as one unit is unique to the offensive line, and I can understand why mm-hmm. rotating individuals is difficult, like you would on a defensive line, but it's always seemed to me like that's one place that they don't take advantage of rotating people from a fatigue standpoint, especially with these high, um, you know, turnover offenses. And so, having a little bit of um, depth there. This is going to be our our first uh, rotation on our over under for Brandon at five offensive line. A configuration. So this is number one. All right. So we're, we're well on our way to the over, I think, um, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully those there's a lot of change. Let's move on to Dave Hickey. Uh, he sent out the wildcat uh, Wednesday newsletter and uh, I quote last weekend, our football team traveled to Houston for game two of our season. While not the outcome we were looking for, I assure you that our program is focused on the mission of improving week to week. Yeah, they better be. Um, football coaching transitions are always difficult as players and coaches learn new systems and measure potential strengths and opportunities. However, I encourage all of our fans to believe in the process and stay the course with this program. During the trip to Houston, I had the opportunity to be around the football team and the coaches. It is clear that there is great optimism and sense of purpose. I am excited by the strong student-athlete and coach leadership in this program, and I am looking forward to the rest of this season. Hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole. All right, gentlemen, it's two games in, and Dave hinkey 's trying to convince us the sky isn't falling. As a state-of-the-union situation... You know, hot take two games yeah. in. Is this much ado and it's a reasonable coaching transition? I'm gonna let Gabe go first because I want Brandon to be able to finish this one up.
3: I mean, it's just so hard to have any sort of comfort with Owen two when this team was projected as a Dark Horse Pac twelve South champion. So for me it's just you're falling well below expectations right now and this was I mean, really, like we've said in the past few podcasts, like the defense has no excuse. In year three, you're bringing back three freshman All American linebackers. Um, You know, you, you have missed some pieces here and there for injury and been playing some walk ons here and there as well. But, you know, the defense has just been frustratingly disappointing. And offense, I mean, there's just. There just seems to be some disconnect between the player personnel and and the plays that are being called. And so it's just been a very frustrating experience to watch both BYU and Houston games where, you know, it it actually looks like when the coaching staff came in here and said, we haven't watched anybody from last year. There's been a clean slate. You know, we're going to just evaluate. It looks like they actually didn't watch anything from last year and they're not catering to their strengths it's just been frustrating for everybody so i think it is very easy to be discouraged and when it comes to the personnel changes and the coaching changes it's just hard for me to believe a whole lot of that just because all camp you know offense they were saying you know there's not a whole lot of difference in the spread right now it's just some terminology routes are being made easier now there's no more option routes and I get it. Your offensive line, the big concern was you're replacing four starters um, up front. And, you know, how is that going to affect Khalil Tate? And I, I really don't think it's the offensive line that's affecting Khalil Tate as much. I think it's just the offensive game plan and just some of the questionable play calling. So for Dave, you got to do something to reel people back in. You got Southern Utah at eight o'clock. That's a hard draw coming off. 0 and two. So I mean, I think he just got to do something, but I mean, I don't know what else, you know, it's not like he's not going to, I don't know, he, you know, the team morale is high and all of that, you know, what else is he supposed to face? That's just kind of my take on his letter, I, I guess it had to be said, just to try to get, I mean, they got to be sweating in the athletic department, because if it's, if it's like a grambling state from 2016, it's going to be just moans and groans all season. And that, Oh man, it's going to be a rough season. So you just got to hope that for whatever reason, they don't go. Oh, and three.
0: Yeah. I think he should have gone uh, full Tony Ellison and just said, yo, we don't even care what y'all are
3: thinking. <laughs> we don't
0: think about you that much. We'll just- all, all right, Brandon, throw your spin on the state of the union. All right. So
2: I don't, I don't find it as much of a negative, um, I think it's it's a reaction to people let's just be honest, this fan base overreacted. I understand being frustrated. I really do. I get it. Overreacting to the point that I've seen no I like and I've said it like what two podcasts ago. Yeah, two podcasts ago. Like it, it that's not needed. You don't need to you don't need to overreact, freak out, blah, it like just rage after two games of a coaching change. Yes, through camp, you know, like Gabe said that they're saying that there's you know, nothing's changed. Uh You know football's football uh just the terminology however mental like physically sure mentally though on a on a you know you're going from like i said a run first to a pass first offense that is a completely different mentality that you got to get yourself into and for the offensive line that means different types of run different types of blocking right um the run blocking isn't going to be the same as as it was under under rich rod um Plus you throw in, you know, we've said that we've beat this horse so much you got like, you know, four new offensive line. I'm not even gonna go into that. But um I th- and I think it, it's also an interesting I th- I view it as um uh Hiki saying that and they're sticking by uh and they're they're like they're they're saying like, no kidding, like football's important to this university, it's important to us, it's important to this department, and we're sticking by and standing up
0: for him. Yeah, that's coming th- from the president, don't you think?
2: Well, I think it's both. I I know Hiki loves football. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, and president Robbins loves his football too. So it could be a joint effort. Absolutely. And I don't find anything wrong with that. Um, uh, but yeah, in, in my opinion, this definitely stems from the fan base, just absolutely losing their minds over after two games. Like I understand, like this is, this is kind of nerve wracking because it's, this is, this shouldn't be happening. But to absolutely just completely write off the season already? No, I there's it's college football. There's so many times that I've seen teams, and I'm sure all of us have seen teams start slow or horrible, and then all of a sudden, boom, they something clicks, and then throughout they just explode throughout the season. I mean, it's happened to Stanford. Uh, I think it happened to Stanford actually last year, and the year before that, and what do you, they become like contenders every year. So it and and Dave Shaw's been there for, he's been coaching head coach there for like eight, nine years, something like that. So, to me, it's yeah, it, it's just it's a reaction to the fan base, like and letting them know, like, hey, it's it's fine, the sky's not falling, the ship's not even close to sinking. Um, just give it time, be patient, like you know, be patient. It it'll work itself out.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to crank out one of those. Uh Unfaithful guy, jealous girlfriend, memes, you know, trust the process with Hickey and Arizona fans. So, um, well, you, you know, I, I, I'm hearing what both you're saying. I think that I I feel the offensive line with the amount of turnover they had and what we ended up with was, you know, very predictive of, um, you know, this backslide, and that was one of my big concerns. As I've stated previously, I thought the defense was going to step up, but clearly that has not been the case, so that was my uh, error in judgment. Um, But I didn't think uh, Tate was going to, uh, you know, be a legitimate Heisman candidate this season uh, simply because I didn't think he had the offensive line support um, to do so. Uh, But that's my take on the situation. I I agree, you know, you can't put too much stock in any one thing. But I also agree with, um, you know, Gabe in the sense that you know, there's plenty of coaches that step in and do just fine to, to just put that on a transition. I think is a little bit of, um, you know, excuse making, but, uh, we're not the only ones who are panicking. Uh, Bill Connolly put out his S P deltas after two weeks. And, uh, you know, he states even, you know, that his SP S and P plus, uh, tends to be a little sensitive early in the season, which makes sense. You know, the more data points you have, the more likely your predictive model is to be successful. So, um, This is, of course, subject to change, and stats are, you know, there's, as Gabe can, can, uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, testify to uh, as long as he's billing by the hour. Uh, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And so you can make the numbers look however you want. And so I think it's the utilization of the model that really matters because they really can't predict the future. Um, they can only tell you what's happened in the past. And there's certainly bias there, too. Um, but Arizona's dropped a minus whopping 5.6 in wind projections. That's the biggest in uh, his model uh, right there with New Mexico State uh which dropped a minus 4.3. So we're now projected to have 2.1 wins, which is lowest in the uh, Pac 12. What say you, Gabe?
3: I mean, it's the drop is definitely, you know, I, I don't think it's, I, I mean, yeah, it's hard to put words to it, but. <laughs> It's kind of tr- concerning and kind of true though. Like, where 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 are you supposed to get all these wins now? All of a sudden, these were two wins that you were expecting Arizona to get. Houston, some people were iffy on, but you were, for the most part, people were expecting two and oh, no and, and again, even the computers had Arizona eight wins. So that's got to be pretty. That's probably one of the most favorable outcomes Arizona's ever had in the math world and all these computer rankings. So. But right now, like I don't I don't know if they can USC, that's no longer a toss up for me. Uh, or it's not I guess going back to way back in our one of our first pods where I was saying that every one of these games are winnable. Now I'm not sure that a lot of these games are winnable. Like Cal definitely scares me now. Utah, I know there's some mixed reviews, you know but at Utah still concerns me at UCLA, depending on what they can do during the middle of the season, Oregon, that's probably, that's very terrifying for me. Colorado's looking pretty good at Washington state. I can just see Minstre just torching the defense right now. And then ASU at ASU or no, that's no, that's that's home. Um, you know, I just don't know where you can put six wins on this remaining schedule, even to make a bowl game. So you know two i think that's a little bit you know, that's that's a little aggressive to go down there but you know i'm definitely thinking four wins for this team right now
0: Brandon.
3: so uh with me i agree Gabe. the two is very
2: ag- aggressive and it's in my opinion probably just based on how things have gone so far which okay, okay cool whatever um but still, still pretty rough. One thing I find interesting is I've seen, you know, teams that are, that are struggling at the beginning of the season all of a sudden, and then they pretend, well, they could still pick it up. Blah, blah. I don't understand why Arizona doesn't get that benefit of the doubt.
0: Well, because like, we haven't consistently proved it. You know what I mean? I mean, basketball, enough, we're going like, to get we're basketball. We're going to get that doubt every time football. We're never going to get it.
2: Yeah. And that's just ridiculous. In my ridiculous in my opinion? But um but i understand i mean i guess i could understand but like i see what gabe is saying I absolutely based on these two games you're like i don't i don't know um but at the same time i'm still you know as much as i'm thinking i'm like man this may not be as good of a season well it's definitely not gonna be as good of a season as as we all th- uh, thought at the beginning um but even with that, my my win total, like you know, Gabe and I talked about. It, I think earlier this week, um, it went down from ten games to game, so like at right now. I'll say seven to eight. Once we get into Pac-12 play and seeing how that goes, then that might change a little bit, depending on really just how the how the how the uh, games play out and how the season starts to play out. So, yeah, it's. But to go back to the original point, I think that yeah, the two to two. two Two games is severely aggressive. Like, yes, uh, the offense under Jonathan Smith up at Oregon State is looking better. I cannot even, you know, Artavis Pierce looks pretty strong, but then again, they played Southern Utah, um, so you know, we'll have to see how Arizona plays against Southern Utah, and then we can kind of, kind of judge on how they might play Oregon State or you know how they might be against Oregon State. So. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely
0: going to get the head-to-head comparison on that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do compared to Oregon State. Yeah, that's um, one thing I'm
2: very interested
0: in. Listen, if you want to take some – some, uh, you can either take this or good news or bad news. Uh, ASU is the biggest riser. They went up 3.1. Uh, so let's hope this model is complete garbage, even though we love Joe <laughs> Connolly. And we're going to get to that in our picks. Um, so let's move on to some uh non U of A stuff and talk about some of our Friday night lights. Um I know that you uh recently had an article out, uh Brandon, on how our commits performed in week three. Why don't you give us the rundown?
2: Yay, recruiting. All right, so um start with Gunnell. This kid has been just exploding this year in his first two games. Uh he's got, you know, he's fifty two for seventy three for eight hundred two yards, eleven touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he also has 11 carries, 93 yards and two scores. Um, you just watch his clips and Gabe and I have been just gushing over this guy, um, the past two weeks, just watching him play. He's been just, just automatic. I mean, you can tell he has a phenomenal relationship with his receivers. He trusts them, uh, implicitly and, and that allows him to, uh, make the throws. He, he wants to make with, with confidence uh, he doesn't really second guess himself. Uh, and, and one thing he's shown a lot more this year, I think than last year is that he's actually pretty mobile and, and can make plays with his, with his legs. Um, he actually had a pretty nifty spin move this past week against Lamarck high school. Uh, and that gained him like a, I think another extra 15 to 20 yards. So, um, Gabe was alluding to it earlier this, uh, this season before the season began that, that Gunnell is going to break all kinds of records. Yeah, I think he'll do that in probably like the next two or three games
0: or something along those lines. He looks uh, like a monster on that field too. A very dude,
3: yeah.
0: He's a very three-star-esque performance, no?
2: Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, totally yeah. three-star <laughs> talent. Maybe top 500. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that high? <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to Quibena. Um, usually Edison's pretty good with uh, with uh, game film and and boot, uh, updating their stats, and it's been kind of frustrating for me uh, because I don't get really either. Uh, literally, off based off the two clips that are the two clips I've been able to find against Buchanan and Clovis North, he has like three tackles for a season. I severely doubt that that's the actual number. Um, I think it's it's. It's just maybe they got a new person, I don't know, to do this stuff. But, like, it's like a 12-second clip against Clovis North. I know that he probably did more than that. So it's just it's just interesting how that's going along. That stats
0: guy over there is going to be the death of you, Brandon.
2: Oh, dude, you have, no <laughs> have no idea, man. Like, I know this kid is killing
3: it. Um, I mean, my God. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine that these guys are playing a full game and come up with one tackle. Yeah, like awesome. that, that's just not humanly possible for for a guy of that skill i yeah they got to get a new film guy or something a 12 yeah, second no. clip is just a shame
2: not only that i mean he bull rushed a freaking offensive lineman into a quarterback yes he has one tackle on the game no bullshit no <laughs> no 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 all right so uh moving on to maurice gaines um he uh, he played his first game. Uh, St. Thomas More played the first game against uh, oh god, Norderhein Westfalen, who is from I think they're from like, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, they whooped them forty-seven to nothing. Uh, there was only what Gabe like t- I think it was like two two plays and it was like twenty-nine seconds. Um, you just kind of get an inkling of what Gaines can actually do because uh, both Gabe and I really like Gaines and think that he's going to be a really good corner here at the U of A. Um, so you, you still see those press coverage and then the skills that he can, or the plays that he can make on the ball. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully more film this coming week, um, as they go into their second game. Uh, then moving on to Jalen Johnson, this kid, um, actually got done talking with him. Um, you know, I'll have that interview out shortly, but, uh, he he thinks that the season is going well he's like yeah there's you know we could all obviously be doing better as a team um but man man he is i like i like Jalen johnson i think he's going to be a phenomenal receiver here um for doyle or gunnell or whoever uh he is fast for some for someone who's like six three um he has great hands and he's just a deep threat um and and actually has that big playmaking ability. Um he had 5 catches for 92 yards this past this past week um uh, even though Roosevelt lost to uh, Servite um which is a you know powerhouse in Anaheim. So um eat so even in the losses and everything, um he's he's still making plays. Uh one thing I actually think is is the problem is isn't him. It's it's his quarterback play. His quarterback's pretty inconsistent. Um So that's something to watch, but that's not a ding on Johnson. Um, If you watch him, he's actually very, very good at running routes. His routes have been a lot better since last year. Um, They're a little bit crisper and he gets open often. So
3: um, I expect him to finish well over a thousand yards this year. Yeah. His quarterback, I think week one went seven for 12 with like four picks. So uh, yeah, just not a good situation.
2: (laughs) No, no, um, Kane Bradford, he didn't play this year. Or, Jesus, he didn't play this week, rather. And he had a uh, – his game was kinked or canceled, rather. So I think it was due to, like, lightning in the area and the storm wasn't going away. So he'll have to make up that game. So I don't really have anything on him. Uh, he did play tonight, though, uh, against Sam Houston. So I'll have to see if what I can find on him um, as we head into the weekend. Uh, and then Chris Rowland, man. I You know what? I really love watching Chris Rollins film. This kid is actually coming into his own as a defensive player. Um, we already, you know, we already talked about how we liked him as a receiver and we, you know, we'd have to see how he played as a DB this year. And so far, so good through three games. He has like 20 tackles, two tackles for loss, two interceptions, uh, a broken up pass, forced fumble. And then just for good measure on special teams, he has a punt return for a touchdown. Um, And, and this last game that they had against Paloma Valley, he had six tackles with a tackle for loss in in his forced fumble and his forced fumble that he had is just him just absolutely clocking the ball carrier. Um, I can honestly say, I didn't really expect that from him. He actually is an extremely physical player. And I think that's going to be a very, very, um, I think that's going to be like a, undervalued skill that he is actually going to bring to Arizona. Uh, he is a freak athlete. He's very athletic and he makes good plays on the ball. Um, I know Gabe had his doubts, but, uh, I actually want to, uh, what do you think now, Gabe, that you've seen some of his film?
3: Yeah, he's one. Yeah. I mean, he's one that I think I still need to see a little bit more on. There are other guys too, like Michael Wiley. I'm turning on to him a little bit, but Chris Roland, I, I see Holy it. Crap. I see Chris Roland, but, I don't know. Still a little bit more that I want to see out of him. Not, nothing that the way I, I like to look at guys are if they were committed to ASU, would I be nervous slash worried slash jealous? And Roland, <laughs> he's, he's kind of like borderline there, right there for me. So, so I mean, granted, yeah, his sample size is what, like two or three games. So he's got some time this season to definitely turn that corner.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, I think he's definitely taken those strides to, to being a better DB prospect. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. All right. Now, heading on to uh, Darian Clark, um, I I actually like him. The more I watch his film, I actually see what the coaching staff really liked about him. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't have more power five offers. Um, and I think it's just mainly because of size. But he is an incredibly patient, aggressive linebacker like he. You can see him just sit there, kind of dissect the play, and as soon as he does, boom, he just hits the jets and also just wrecks the ball carrier. Um, that's an impressive skill, um, and, and to me, he's actually playing like what I would think a sophomore in college would play like, uh, and that's pretty pretty impressive for someone who's who's still in high school. Um, you know, just gain a little bit more weight, and man, he's he's gonna be good. I think he's gonna be good once he comes to Tucson. He's gonna be really good um i he's gonna explode this year um and then yeah i agree with gabe michael wiley looks a lot better this year than he did last year um man his he's actually got some speed to him now uh he's able to outrun defenses and his vision looks like it's gotten a lot better as well as his agility um i think what uh the very first game he had like 15 carries for 192 yards and like two touchdowns including like a 95 yarder where he just legitimately followed his blocker and as soon as he had a hole he just blew the entire defense away uh no one could catch him and i think uh i think he's actually really uh, poised for another big year Um, one interesting thing too he actually gained like over 130 yards uh, almost 140 against one of uh, southeast texas uh, powerhouse uh, Westbrook. So that's actually pretty impressive, especially since straight Jesuit straight Jesuit rather was supposed to lose that game, but they ended up uh, ended up winning uh, 55 to 40. So that's a pretty, pretty important and impressive feat right there. Uh, what are your, what's your take on Wiley now uh, that you've seen some film Gabe?
3: Yeah. I mean, watching his junior film i'm like man this guy i mean it could be any high school varsity running back like it didn't look at like anything special at all for me but now and like at the time i was like oh give me darius smith over this kid all day like i i I didn't think too highly of darius when he was coming out but you can definitely see on his high school film he has that explosiveness that shiftiness, kind of one cut and go kind of guy but Wiley, I was like, "Eh, I'm I'm not too sold on him. But now uh, he's putting up some big numbers, and he just looks a lot more crisp. It looks like things just slowed down for him maybe. But, yeah, he just looks a lot better overall, kind of more well-balanced. He didn't have the most speed, and he's got a little bit more burst now. Um, He just looks a lot more well-balanced, and I think he could be a pretty decent uh, – I'm trying to think of a comparison, but, I mean, he's just a very – well-balanced guy but i guess maybe uh well no not not <laughs> quite a gary bright well i don't know he's, he's just really well balanced so I, I think he can do something here i okay. wasn't high on him at all though coming into the season oh
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what's funny is a lot of people were t- like when i was putting out these things and putting out moyley stats and people were like but i thought he wasn't that good so um yeah. Oh, so I kind of—I'm sorry—I forgot the. What's What's your opinion on uh, Darian Clark and
3: Jalen Johnson as well? Uh, Clark Clark Clark's weird, man. I feel like he could be like five eleven or five ten, because, I mean, two time All State kid, over a hundred tackles both seasons. I think, uh, I think you tweeted out um, like he was like the number thirteen linebacker in Texas or something. Um, yeah, he's he's really interesting. I'm I'm curious to see what they would list him on the as the official roster, or if he has academic issues. Because I mean he, he looks the he looks good despite he does look a little bit small. But um, you know despite his size, I mean he he follows the ball. He he knows exactly where the play is going, and kind of just looks like a little Scooby right out there, really. Um, and then Jalen Johnson, I, I looked so I looked up his. Uh, Quarterback stats here. Uh, They've played two quarterbacks um, in four games. They both have a completion percentage of 45%. One has thrown two touchdowns to five interceptions and the other has six touchdowns to three interceptions. So eight to eight so far this season between the two of them. But um, yeah, Jalen looks a lot better. I mean, his routes were definitely his weak point last season and you can tell. And I mean, really that's something super easy. He has the tools. He has the speed. He has athleticism and quickness. So his route running was really just a big concern. But right now, and I think, you know, his, I, well, no, he had close to hundred yards this past game, but uh, that first game of the season until I saw his quarterback stats where he threw four picks, I was a little concerned, but I mean, he's going to be a good player. Um, you know early in our podcast we said that this class was based on upside um and a lot of just coaching up but he was one of the guys where you can clearly see yeah this guy's got the upside and it's not going to take too much coaching to get him to uh, an elite pack 12 level
2: yeah absolutely man he's his speed is unmatched it's it's impressive uh, so moving on to the lone offensive lineman commit, we have Jordan Morgan, local kid out of Marana. Um, I, you know, we had one of our uh, one of our uh, contributors, uh, Chris, out there, and he was he was I think it was like the first or second game of the season for Marana, and and they were and they and and honestly, yes, Morgan's still a little bit raw, but man, that kid is athletic. He's quick. He has actually really quick feet, and and you can tell that his. Uh, I mean, he had limited film last year, but you can see that jump he made in his technique in, in the off season, that it's a lot better. It's a little bit more crisp. Yeah. He's still a little bit raw, but like, man, and then, you know, Morano's is like four. zero. that's, that's not just quarterback play. That's not just wide receiver play, but their offensive line doesn't give up too many tackles for loss. Doesn't give up really many sacks. And then, you know, last week against uh desert view that, you know, the uh, the offensive line helped uh, the the Tigers rush for two hundred ninety eight yards, which is pretty 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 good, in in my opinion. So um, yeah, Gabe, what's your take on Morgan? Yeah,
3: I mean, still pretty raw, but I, I you know for offensive linemen, I think you need a a guy a little bit more ready um, for the state of the offensive line right now. But I think he has the tools there, and he's a project that you're willing to. Take on. I think that Arizona has a couple of projects though at tackle, which is kind of concerning, but I think right, even right now, I would take Jordan Morgan over, uh, who was the kid out of the Amphi, uh, David Watson yeah, and, um, Edgar Barola. I would take him right now over both of those. I think he's just a stronger prospect and those are two bigger projects that you have to take on. But, uh, yeah, I, I like what Morgan can bring to the table.
0: Not to look too far ahead, guys, but does this make you think that they're going to try to grab some JC O line with this recruiting class?
2: So it's interesting that you say that, um, because uh, Arizona offered Dante Powell, who is at Arizona Western. He's a tackle, but I think he could play guard as well. Um, and he's the interesting thing is that Wash. Yeah, you know, so he was supposed to go to Washington State i forgot what it was i think it was academics or something like that that caused him to go to arizona western um and and you know washington state offered him again and uh you know i in i th- i th- i would think that if he was going to commit to washington state again he would have done so already true so it's in from my person from my point of view and just from what i've heard and talk to people about and they like Powell is interested in, in the wildcats. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that guy plays out, but that's the one big uh, Juco offensive lineman that I'm tracking that Arizona is actually pursuing pretty heavily. Um, so yeah, moving on to uh, Eddie side um, being an American Samoa, it's very difficult to get uh, film until the end of the season or stats because uh, for, for some odd reason, the, uh, the schools that are in American Samoa are not on max preps. Um, I was able to get in contact with Eddie um, and at least know that uh, they played against uh, Faga, uh, sorry, Faga e Tua. Um on this past saturday um i tried to reach back out to him i didn't didn't get an answer but uh so i'm not sure how the game went or anything like that um i'll try to reach out to him a little bit later this weekend to see how uh, how the season's going so far but uh i just saw that um on twitter probably about like 30 minutes ago or so that he he is now named to the uh uh, American blue gray uh, or sorry, the blue gray, all American game watch list. So uh, one game in and he's already getting some recognition, which is pretty cool. And then now uh, moving on to Kyle Austin Um I know Gabe was not very high on him. And, you know, I had heard that he has been improving throughout the the, the season. So I just kind of waited to see how uh, his season's gone. Uh, you know, they only got stats so far for two games that he's played in he's averaging almost 46 yards a punt and that's that's no joke um and to me that shows massive improvement already um i know he's played two games since then so i'm interested to see what those updated stats look like um so what's your point uh a view of how you think Austin Dorp's, uh, growing gabe just based on the stats that we've seen from the two
3: games yeah, I mean, 46 yards, that's uh, that's pushing like Dylan Klump area right there. So I wonder if that's coming from uh, just a straight drop punt or if he's doing some rugby style and getting a bounce on it. But yeah, I mean, for me, I think it was just, I appreciate the effort to go out and get a punter. And that was one of the first needs that they saw and that they addressed and they got it in state. But at the same time, I'm really curious about um, that Highland punter, McNamara. Uh, yeah, Braden, McNamara. Brandon. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, Braden, one of them. Um, you know, I think that he was still a winnable guy, and I don't think he's committed anywhere since. But uh, for me, I, I just looked up uh, Austin Dorp on Chris Saylor, and he's now uh, class rank 118th in the country. And I think, so odd. Dude. I think when he originally committed, he was like seventy or eighty. So he's just dropping for whatever reason um, by these kicking rankings. Or I guess this is the only one. Although he was a finalist in another. Uh, no, it wasn't Cole's kicking camp. I think it was another camp. I think we talked about it um, where he played. He was a finalist or something in one of them. And oh yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember you saying that. But uh, yeah, I mean just pretty interesting i like i said i appreciate the effort um but i think he's a guy that you could have waited on uh even towards signing day either signing day december or february so uh, but i'll i'll take it for next year he'll probably be thrown in there right away because i think Vlading uh graduates this year i don't know what matt aragon's doing I don't know what year he is. He's a redshirt junior. Okay, so maybe they don't ask him back. Maybe they do. I don't know. But, um, yeah, just pretty interesting.
0: All right, well, let's move on to Southern Utah. Uh, Gabe, you threw up an article on the six uh, Wildcats to watch in this game. Why don't you lay it on us, amigo?
3: Yep. So uh, I started with Lathe uh, just because this is his first game back, and you now you hope that any – Any help will will be welcome on the offensive line, and I think he can only help. And then again, there's kind of some shuffling on the line right now because of that, and it's interesting to see Donovan Lae go to right tackle. I would have just thought that they'd just keep him and preserve him, but I guess he's good enough to flip over to right, and that's moving Cody Creason in and pushing LaCusa out. So it's going to be interesting to watch that line now. Maybe they need... Uh, you know, some more time just because of all this flipping, but I'm excited to see Lathe back in there. And then I threw in Darius Smith. I, Nathan Tilford, man, he's like, no one's even talking about him anymore. He's not even relevant. He didn't even make the travel squad. So it's really interesting to see how far he's fallen off. He was a top, what? 200 kid coming out of high school, Arizona had to fight off USC and Nebraska late on him. So, I mean, it's just that it, I, yeah, it's really baffling to, to see how far down there Tilford is. Like Anthony Mariscal is probably ahead of him. So he's probably running back five. So I'm curious to see how much run Darius Smith gets. I think he could solidify himself as running back three. JJ's obviously number one and Brightwell is kind of creeping up there with the carries and uh, can do some damage out of the backfield too. So Darius played well. He looks good. He has that burst that I like. And so I think he could definitely start stealing some carries and maybe they burn his four game red shirt and keep him throughout the season. So uh, we
0: would, we wouldn't have thought that we talked about him, but uh, you know, him, him moving up that quickly, I think is pretty surprising is definitely on the interesting news front. Um, I hope Nathan doesn't join our Infamous uh, former four stars that didn't produce at Arizona List.
3: Yeah, Yeah. that, that could keep growing. So. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see him actually redshirt this year. I mean, it could happen. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, to not even make the travel squad in your second year and you've got Darius Smith. I don't know if uh, Anthony made the travel squad, if they brought four guys there, but. Uh, yeah, Maris, they, uh, Anthony was out on the field. Okay, yeah. So right now there are four running backs ahead of him. So. Just crazy stuff.
0: Does he use his red shirt to transfer and and try to be immediately eligible?
3: I mean, he could. I don't know where. I I don't remember what other smaller offers he had and if those coaching staffs are still intact. But, I mean, yeah, I could definitely see. I mean, maybe. Because this is now two. I think somebody tweeted out. This is now two coaching staffs that said that he doesn't really get it. And so, you know, you can. Yeah, I mean. Take what you want out of that, but yeah, they're not gonna keep us talent off the field unless there's a reason. Yeah, so that's just kind of disappointing to see for such a talent guy. And this guy shredded in high school too. Like he was he was the grand canal of like just ridiculous (laughs) stats at running back. So I mean, just yeah, it's just crazy to me. But next I had Scotty Young, so he had the one game suspension. I thought he was going to play against Houston, but I guess he was injured. So now he should be back. According to Sumlin. I really think you need him on the field and he was one of Arizona's best safeties last year at free safety, but I love what Isaiah Hayes is doing at free and I don't think you want to take Hayes off the field. Um, I don't know how long Tristan Cooper is going to be out if he's planning on playing this week, but I think there's definitely got to be some shuffling along the lines and I think that you could put Isaiah at free then Tristan Cooper at Spur if he's healthy and then Scotty Young at Bandit or if Tristan Cooper uh, is not healthy then I guess put Scotty Young at Spur he could really play any three safety positions he's just that much of an athlete he's very disruptive uh, no matter where he is and he'll find the ball so I just really think you got to put him on the field I'd rather keep dff off the field he's just regressed really poorly um over the past few games in last season just guys are getting behind him just missing tackles uh i just think scotty's just a guy you got to have on the field and just a better option uh at either safety position so that'll be interesting to see where they fit him in that's really one of the that's really Arizona's deepest position. So, something to keep an eye on. And then another guy getting back from injury, Jace Whitaker. Um, I'm not a huge Tim Huff fan. I, he was okay in week one, and then week two, uh, he was getting beat, and then, uh, you know, the ball was being overthrown, and then he was you know, stunting on the camera. So uh, I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, of guys that do like Dane, Dane crew. was the cockiest son of a gun last year, but he <laughs> backed it up and he would make a play on the ball. And I love it. Like he just talks so much crap all game long. He's just in your ear, but, but he would make plays, but like Tim Huff, like what have you done, man? So I don't know. And then you have Azizi Hearn um, playing out there. He's had some hype here and there in the off season, but you just need to get Jace Whitaker back in there. I think that he gets Arizona's first turnover of the season. I'm just hoping that that can some having all these guys back on defense, just kind of brings them back to last season and, and gets them going. And then my, Oh no, I had two more. Um, one of my last guys guys on the D line played because of injury, but actually played pretty well. Abraham, Maeva. um, I mean, I, I he, he has a good story. He's a he doubles as a Tucson Airport employee and uh, does some baggage ramp work and stuff to pay because he's a walk-on. Um, but I also get a feeling that he's brought into these interviews, or a lot of these guys are brought into the interviews because they're going to be, um, you know, part of the team in a center, or a bigger role in the team. Uh, like Cedric Peterson was in the Week One interviews and I wasn't even sure that he was going to be a starter. Isaiah Hayes was in that group too. And so they kind of slowly bring in these guys who are working their way up. Um, and so for me, I, I don't really mind him. I, I know that, um, you know, walk-ons kind of have like a, a, a bad stigma around them, or at least that's, you just don't want to be in a position where you have to play them. But um, this guy is similar to kind of like, I guess, Justin Belknap, like, you know, he, he's, he's, He's working, he's getting after it. And I think that he's earned some, some good playing time. And with some injuries, I think that he could play nose guard or defensive tackle. Really. I think he's got the versatility and if he can just come in give you some quality reps and and give some guys a break. Cause the defense is out there for an astronomical amount of time. So <laughs> for, for him to just give some of your 300 pounders a break, I think that he's a great option to have right there. So uh, I'm hoping he gets to see the field. Uh, early in the rotation or just if Arizona's on cruise control, just let them have at it the second half. And then uh, obviously just Khalil Tate. I mean, we've beat that to the ground. So he just, he I mean, the team goes as far as Khalil Tate goes and he's not going very far right now. So that's my take on that.
0: Brandon, why don't you give us a breakdown on uh, Southern Utah and things that you know you want to see out of the Wildcats in this game?
2: So one thing I do want to see is, um, <clears throat> excuse me. i was actually pretty impressed with the amount of, uh, defensive rotation that was, that was going in, um, against Houston. Uh, it may have been out of necessity, but that's something I want to see continue going forward because, uh, I mean, Jalen Harris and JB Brown were out there and they are, they're still probably some of the best pass rushers that we have on, on the defense. So, um, and I agree with Gabe Abraham, Mayava. I want to see more of him, um, against Southern Utah because, uh, he was one of the most disruptive defensive linemen, and for and t- to be honest, I mean he's a converted offensive lineman, so that tells you like how good he actually played. Um, so that's 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 some good stuff from him. I, I do want to see. Oh God, man! I loved. I I absolutely love the 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 duo of Lorenzo Burns and Jace Whitaker. So I do hope to see Whitaker out there those it's like is kind of like Gabe alluded to like Dane talks like, those two talk a lot of crap. You can tell that they do, yeah. but, but at the same time they back it up as well. There, there's a couple of pass interference penalties. I'm not so sure on that. Lorenzo got like I, I didn't agree with them. Uh, I think there was, he had like two, one of them like can okay, yeah, sure. But the second one, no, there's no way that was not pass interference. So I, I kind of feel bad for him, but that kid plays his heart out. So, and I want to see, I actually want to see the offensive line come together as a unit gel and actually provide some good push during the run game. Their their pass blocking's fine; it's not that big of an issue. Um, but I really want to see um, the offensive line gel and actually do you know get the run game going. I want to see Josh McCauley slap another off, uh, defensive lineman in the head. <laughs> um, and finally, I just want to see Khalil do his thing. You know, I, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think it's something just him. Mostly, not necessarily just the play calling. I think it's actually just him. So I want him to do Khalil, you know, just do his thing. Um, this is a perfect game for him to just be on, like for him to take whatever straps he has on himself and, you know, and just, just go. So let him cook.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, we're not going to waste much time on Southern Utah. I don't don't think there's any uh, need to do that if we're not shellacking them, at least by the amount Southern uh, Oregon State was. We're looking forward to another bad season. Uh, Harkening back to that last season with um, Nick Foles, uh, we struggled to beat NAU that year, and it was a pretty early sign that it wasn't going to be a good season for the cats and it definitely wasn't uh but there's uh some other important activity on the game uh this game this weekend uh why don't you tell us about uh the visitors we're going to be having
3: gabe uh yeah so this is a uh very interesting duo so we've talked about Grant Ganell a little bit and uh he's coming out on is this an official visit or an unofficial? it's an official for him okay so he's yeah. So his official visit, so he's gonna get wined and dined and all of that and um, No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not no it's not official. It's an unofficial for him. Oh, I'm all sorry. right. Unofficial. Well, he's still gonna get wined and dined. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Louisville uh, level uh, uh courtesans on this one. I'll yeah, go the he's
3: gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> he's going, uh, uh, what's the, uh, re- Mr. Ons, and he's going like, <laughs> to hang out with all the players and do all that. So. Um, and he's bringing his four-star wide receiver friend, Jalen Curry. And this is one, so he's got, he's got big time options. He's like a top 150, maybe a top 120 kid. And this is one that I've always felt kind of cautiously optimistic about heading into the summer. strictly because of Ganell. I mean, Ganell puts up ridiculous numbers and so does Curry by nature of that. And so, I mean, I think it's just that connection that you can have between your quarterback and your wide receiver. He's in his year constantly. Um, I mean, that's kind of what we thought too. When Ganell committed, we thought that, man, this was going to open the floodgates to a bunch of other guys. There's a bunch of four high and three-star wide receiver guys in Texas that Ganal is close with, but I think Curry is probably the most realistic. That's, it's not a great shot at landing him, but I do think that there is a glimmer of hope here. He had like a 93% crystal ball prediction Jalen Curry did out of like 28 predictions um, and never committed. And now that's starting to significantly drop. I just feel like if, if it were Auburn, he would have already committed. Um, so for him to continue to open up his or continue to roll with his process, I guess, um, and come out on this visit with Grant, you I think that's just a really good sign of you know Arizona could be in contention. He's paying his way here as well. Um, yeah, I guess an unofficial or official visit is is a big term, but I guess uh, his is unofficial for sure. Oh, his is? Okay. Well, see, yeah. So I mean, either way you spin it, he's taking one of his five official visits here or he's paying his way. Um, Just getting the kid out to campus with his quarterback I think is a really big deal. And it looks like Penn State is picking up some steam right now in the crystal ball. They're kind of taking away some of Auburn's picks. But, you know, until he's uncommitted, I still think that Arizona has a shot here to land. And really, I think at the beginning of this class, I wanted, like – two receivers in this class and one of them to be elites. and then once you kind of look at the scholarship numbers at wide receiver they have like at least 10 freshman sophomore wide receiver uh guy wide receivers on scholarship so i mean it it really creates a backlog so i think that arizona just needs to land kind of one high-end caliber guy and obviously jalen curry is one of them so you know, you hope he has a good visit and he likes what he sees. And, you know, that bond between him and Gunnell really comes through. But um, I think it's going to be hard to pry him out uh, of one of these bigger schools, Penn State. I don't know who else is really courting him, but, uh, or the bigger guys, or I don't know who's uh, pursuing him the hardest. I mean, obviously he has his offer list that he can pick from uh, just about every other power five school. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see that recruitment, but I mean, you got to feel good to at least get the kid out on an official visit then.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to our, uh, picks for the week. So yeah, your, your, your lips to God's ears in regards to, you know, the chance of getting him to come out, uh, with grant. I think, uh, we need a little momentum in this class for sure. So, uh, games on, uh, Saturday, Uh, Starting out with uh, something called UCD. We don't really care what that is. They're going to be playing Stanford at 11 a.m. That's going to be on Pac-12 Networks. No one's going to watch this. Stanford's going to crush them. Even Stanford fans aren't going to be watching this game. Um, There's no line. Uh, The uh, UNH Wildcats. I don't know. Shout out their Wildcats. Uh, New New Hampshire. Hampshire? All right, sweet. They're going to be flying out as, uh, you know, for a a nice tasty snack out for Colorado Um, at 2 p.m. That's also going to be on the Pac-12 network. Uh, No one's going to be watching that, Um, and they're going to roll. There's no line there. Uh, Let's get to some stuff we can actually uh, talk about. Uh, San Jose State is uh, rolling into Oregon uh, at 2 p.m. uh, our time. This is going to be on Pac-12 networks. Um, Oregon is a scant 41.5 point uh, favorite and that's oh. up from 41 points uh the over under at that uh, spread uh is 67 and a half down from down a whopping point from 68 and a half uh what do you guys think why don't you start there Gabe?
3: i'm gonna take oregon on the over i just think they're just gonna continue to put up points san jose i don't Traditionally, are they, I, are they like a seven-win team? I'm not sure, but they're zero and two right now. I they don't used, know. Any. They used to be pretty. Uh, I think it was back in like the two thousands. They're actually okay. pretty solid. Well, yeah, I Oregon at home. I, this could be like sixty to nothing for me.
0: So you're going for it, huh? 41 and yeah. a half huh? I like it, Brandon.
2: Uh, I am also going to take Oregon and the over.
0: Nice. I like the emphatic uh, belief in Oregon and its ability to steam, steamroll uh, their uh, opponents. Um, so Bill Connolly has it at fifty-seven to nine. He's got Oregon, uh, San Jose State kicking three field goals in that game. Uh, so they're going to be uh, they're going to they're going to be close on covering that spread. <laughs> 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 and he's he's concerned about them hitting the over. Uh, but I'm actually going <laughs> to agree with you guys. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Um, then we have, uh, let's see here, we've got something called, oh, well, that must be Idaho State, right? Uh, they're coming in to play Cal at three. Yeah, uh, that's Idaho also going to be on Pac-12, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, IDST. I don't yeah. even know. You know, not even a. You know, they need to be like. There's got to be a rule. You got to be like, uh, Northwestern, Southeastern. You got to be a, 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 a directional school. You know, uh, from a state for us to be able to identify you. Uh, that's going to be a cow There's no line there. Oregon State is rolling into Nevada uh, in Reno, and believe it or not, Reno is giving up three and a half points. Oh, God that is down from four and a half points with an over under of 69 which is down from 70 and a half what do you guys
3: think that's that's tough I'm I'm taking the under for sure um I don't think that yeah I I'm thinking like 50 points tops together um gosh this is <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna go Oregon State. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the Pac-12 here. I hope that they can pull this out.
0: I like it. Back the pack.
2: So I'm also gonna go under. Um, I know Nevada plays tough when they're at home in Reno, but I also gotta go with Oregon State. Their running attack with Jamar Jefferson and uh, Artavius
3: Pierce is just gonna be too much for Nevada to handle, in my opinion. I just think if you can put up 31 on Ohio State, like you gotta be, you gotta be at least somewhat competitive. Yeah, yeah, and I mean you're getting
0: three points, you know. Yeah. You know, a a power five, you know, team against, and it's not like Nevada's Boise State, and they're looking to, you know, run it and be one of the, you know, the the other, um, you know, New Year's six teams. Yeah, uh, Bill Connolly picked this game at. Um, he took Oregon state, but he, his, his score prediction was 33
3: to 33.
0: <laughs> and then, and then, Wait, and then he, he says <laughs> parenthetically actual projected score, Nevada, 32.8, Oregon state, 32.79. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, I think he's messing with us. It's pretty funny stuff. Um, uh, Eastern Washington University, uh, a known uh, Washington State Slayer, is rolling into uh, Pullman at 5 p.m. Also on Pac-12 Networks. So, oh, uh, BTW, my bad. The um, Oregon State game at Nevada is at 4, and it's on ESPNU. There's no line on this. Are we picking the FCS upset in this game, gentlemen?
3: This is, uh, it's classic Wazoo. They got to lose to an FCS team or Oregon. One at home. Two. At home. But <laughs> but I'm, ah, oh man. Nope, I'm sticking with Washington State, though. But I but I won't be surprised because this is something Wazoo would do.
0: Brandon, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a bonus pick if you get this one right to, so you can <laughs> make up some ground. Uh no nah,
3: man,
2: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with Wazoo, but it's gonna be super close.
0: All right, we're gonna we're gonna give you your chance to make up some ground there, brother. Um, <gasps> boom, here he comes. Don't call it a comeback. Um, <laughs> um, Five PM, uh, number twenty two uh, USC rolls into Texas. This is gonna be on Fox. Um, sc uh, texas has given up three and a half points with an over under 47 which is down from 49 do oh think?
3: man i hmm, i, I want to take texas on this uh, on the points i am not gonna believe in um gosh who's their quarterback sears um on the road at Texas. Oh, uh, JT Daniels or JT Daniels. Yeah. Who is I think? Oh, Jack's here. Yeah. JT Daniels. Um, I mean, I know Texas isn't great. I love, uh, Sammy linger. He's I, I loved him last year. I think he's awesome. Um, kind of like Steve, Steven Montez for Brandon. That's kind of how I am about, um, Sam there, but I'll take Texas on the three and a half. The over under, I guess I'll take over just barely.
2: I am going to – you said the over was 47? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the over on that. Um, Man, like, Gay makes a really good point. You got a true freshman quarterback going to an extremely hostile environment, even though Texas is not back, folks. um, (laughs) I do think that –
0: That's a high school senior going on that game.
2: Yeah, you got a high school senior going to a very hostile environment to a team that does not like USC. Um, for and they're not even in the same conference. Man, that's yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Texas on the points as well. And uh, yeah, and and the over.
0: I'm gonna do Texas and do the under. How bad is it that um, what's the name of the knucklehead running USC right now? Clay Helton. Clay Helton cannot recruit a quarterback at SC. Yeah, that's right. I mean for real Z un, un- believable. I mean we think we got problems. If I was an i C I'd be so pissed off right now. <laughs> All right. Um 7 PM on ESPN. We have uh the Pac 12 game of the week. Uh the number 10 uh U Dub dogs are going into the high desert. Are we gonna call Salt Lake City high desert? I don't know. Um to to face the Utes um, at Rice Eccles, U uh, is giving up a scant five points. That's down from an opening line of six with an over under forty seven and a half, which is down from excuse, yeah which excuse me an over under forty seven, which is down from an over under forty seven and uh, a half. What do you guys think?
2: So with this one, this is actually a very interesting matchup, and in may it's easier than you think it is. Um, so Utah's got a great defense, right? Um, and, and actually Washington's offense is, is it's not as prolific as it has been. It's not as explosive as it has been, but I definitely trust off uh, Washington offense more than Utah's offense. They're, they're anemic offense. They're narcoleptic offense against you dubs, U dubs defense, which is still pretty, pretty good. So you got a terrible offense going against a good defense and, a and then, an, Okay, offense going against a good defense. I think Utah pulls it over. Um, it's definitely gonna. I, I definitely take uh, Washington on the points, and I take the. Uh, I take the under.
3: Hmm. I will take Washington on the points as well. I think they're gonna beat them. Ah uh, man. Uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win by like twenty eight. I'm going. <laughs> Ah man, see the over under is tough for me. I I just don't think that Utah's gonna score anything, and that's where they're gonna. there you go, yeah. I I, th- I think we'll go under. Yeah, I, I just Utah's gonna score like three or ten points. <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: this is a UW defense that flew all the way out to the East SEC country and held Auburn whatever the hell they held them to. So I think the yeah. Ender is the surest bet of the week. I'm also going to go with you, Deb, and take the Ender. All right, here's where we get to make fun of Herm leaving it on the grass. ASU uh, at 7.30 on CBS Sports Network is uh, taking ASU out of the friendly confines, the 23rd ranked ASU. Um Sun Devils are going to play uh, San Diego State. They're getting – ASU's giving up three points. Over-under is 48, which is down – which is up from 46. What do you guys think?
3: (sighs) I, like, I could see San Diego State winning, but do I want to doubt Herm Edwards right now? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm taking ASU. Oh, no. Come
2: on. <laughs> um, ASU in the over. All right. I'm, I'm taking – I'm actually taking uh, San Diego State, um, and I'm taking the under. And I just want to say – I just want to point out, too, that San Diego State held Bryce Love, who is probably one of, who is probably the best running back in the nation, 229 yards. First game or not, that's – That's, that's in- true. That's- stinking impressive, man. Yeah. in Stanford, no less, by the way.
0: Yeah. You know, the way uh, Stanford manhandled SC and uh, the way that, you know, they they won that game against San Diego State University. But San Diego State was an impressive uh, in that game. You know, I think this is a, you know, surefire, take it home, uh, San Diego State win, and I'm going to pound the over. I think San wow. Diego State is going to shiz-lack Arizona State.
2: <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, and I have to agree. I don't think Arizona State's offense is as good as everyone is, is uh,
0: now. I think, I think Manny Wilkins is really good, and I think, you know, um, um, Harry is is a, a beast. And they're going to be behind. That's why I think the price, the point's going to go up. But ASU is a classic road choker.
2: Oh, dude! I completely forgot. Manny Wilkins has been there. Uh,
0: yes, uh,
3: like we talked about a couple podcasts ago. So,
0: say, what do you want to say about that game?
3: Um, I mean, yeah. I, overall, I just don't think that ASU was like great, great. Do it. Like, I don't think they're a top twenty-five team, and I think that they could lose. But I don't know. I'm. I'm. I think Herm. Herm rides it to three and o.
0: Oh man. A pox on you, Gabe.
3: I hope hope I'm wrong.
0: A pox upon you. I
3: hope you're wrong, too. Yeah.
0: All right. um, Next game up. We have Fresno at UCLA, uh, Fox Sports 1, 7 p.m. at the Rose Bowl. Um, Fresno Fresno is giving up two and a half (laughs) at UCLA. (laughs) Like, <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. Uh, the auspicious <laughs> <I see it. laughs> start of the Chip Kelly era at UCLA. Uh, over-under is 49.5, uh, which is down from 51.5. Oh my gosh, I'm wiping tears out of my eyes right now. All right, later you know on, guys.
2: Oh, God, man. So, uh, this is kind of like how Gabe saw the ASU game. I can definitely see Fresno State winning this one. Uh, I mean,. Uh, Which is I forgot what the head coach's name at Fresno is Jeff Tilford
0: Yeah, that's the old guy from Cal. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah. Tedford. Tedford. Yeah, that guy. Man, he turned around that program in like a season or two. Um, I I mean, and then I mean, UCLA lost to Cincinnati, which in my opinion is an inferior football team to Fresno State. Um,
3: God, let
2: me think about this one. Actually, Gabe, you go first.
3: Uh, gosh, uh, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to take Fresno state. I'm going to take the, uh, I'll take the over on it. Um, I, I could just totally see the chip Kelly era going 0 and 3 I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about Fresno state, but I mean, they, they lost to, uh, Minnesota last week. And I think, uh, A shot to win it, I think. I I think Minnesota can be okay, so with that logic, I'm just gonna take (laughs) the transitive property.
0: (laughs) I know nothing about Minnesota nor Fresno State, so I'm gonna pick
2: this. (laughs) I mean, I uh, as as much as I find that as a hysterical answer, I agree with Gabe. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going Fresno, and I'm I'm going to take the under on this one, actually. Oh, can we, hold on, hold on, hold I didn't finish that statement. Uh, UCLA defense, garbage. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to take the over, actually.
0: The over, okay. I'm going to go with you guys on Fresno, but I'm actually going to take the under. I think there's going to be some sputter in there, but I think it's going to be a Fresno State's going to cover for sure. Um, let's see here. Um, Connolly, he picked Fresno State in a 32-17, so he thinks they're going to hit the over. 49? Is it going to hit it? No, 42. It's going to be close. Uh, yeah, he's going Fresno very close. State, but yes, yeah, at 32-17. So I actually think the under is going to hit there. Uh, and then, uh, he did take ASU, So for what it's worth, um, all right, let's move on to the game of the week, uh, that, you know, we care about, but no one else is going to watch. Uh, it's going to be, uh, the Wildcats hosting, uh, Southern Utah, 8 PM PAC 12 networks, Tucson, Arizona. Um, you know, no line on this. How many points do the Wildcats have to score in this game for you to feel good about the team going forward? Gabe?
3: uh heading into oregon state at least i who to feel good like give me give me like 58 points to to really like all right yeah we got this thing under control i think they put up 41 um and it's not gonna be like i think it'll just be a, a very steady 41 i don't think it'll be a very high powered uh quick explosive 41 and I'll go U southern utah twenty one. I think they'll still give up some touchdowns and and give up some points, but i I hope that they have won. it's southern Utah, so um, you know, I think that there's a bigger margin of victory and just the talent difference starts to show a little bit. I hope um, yeah, i to to feel comfortable, like, yeah, I would take like a fifty eight to even twenty one at that point, just something like an n a u ish type of score where. All right, this team—they kind of found their bearings, and and now they're they're ready to go in a Pac-12 play.
0: So, Brandon, give me your your number that's going to make you feel better, and then what you actually think your score prediction is.
2: All right, so for me, I think um, it actually made me feel good if if the cast score over forty. Um, that shows that this uh, because the the offense has been. Um, Effective, meaning like getting down the field, uh, but it hasn't been efficient um, in scoring at least. So if they score 40, that shows me that this offense can be efficient. Um, I actually think it's going to be 49 to, I'll say 17.
0: All right, I'm not going to feel better unless this team scores 70 points. But that's my degree of concern about the program currently. I think a realistic score for this game is going to be something like, unfortunately, 38 to 21 um, okay. but it,
3: Yeah, no, that's that's only three less than I have.
0: Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, I think that if if they blow these guys out and they score a few touchdowns just off garbage times, that's fine. Uh, but, but that's the only scenario where I'm going to feel in the slightest reassured. But I, you know, I will say this before I, you know, sound super negative Nelly. Um, you know, late Freight comes back. The L O line gets a, little, a few more reps. We've got a, a walk-on with his first year starting. we got a true freshman with his first year starting. Uh, we got a transfer uh, who's now going to be stepping back a little bit. Um, and a couple guys that have some previous game experience. So maybe it starts to gel and, um, and maybe Khalil uh, gets a little more right. He gets his passing percentage up and, um, maybe opens up his legs a little more and it all comes together. And then the second stringers and third stringers get some time. So, you know, this, could, this could turn on a dime. I mean, you know, as we're all crowning her, her Medward and ASU, um, you know, Pac-12 South champions. Let's not forget what happened to their their basketball team last year when they had them. Uh, you know, they had them uh, winning the national championship before the conference schedule even began. So uh, there's always time for things to flip. This team, you know, and I've said this on a previous podcast. You know, even if we start and two in the out of conference um that doesn't mean that this team has you know lost its ability to win the pac 12 south that that is still a reasonable goal and you know they get their first shot at a a conference uh a conference opponent after this warm-up game and so here's our opportunity to flip the script and and make some serious traction on what was you know the ultimate goal for the season anyhow uh any parting uh comments gentlemen
2: um one thing Mm -hmm. i'll say is uh um, I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, I, I, and I just wanted to do it real quick. So like on the recruiting front, um, I know Makai Polk, who is a uh, Northern California athlete that Arizona is looking at as a safety uh, is announcing tomorrow. In my opinion uh, throughout the whole week, since he's announced is it's been close. It'll be close, but I still think ultimately that he's going to Cal. Um, and then um, Jackson Turner is definitely an individual uh, to keep an eye on. Gabe and I both feel that he is a must-get type of uh, prospect. He can definitely be a game-changer. Um, and I, I still think that he is uh, heading towards, uh, committing towards Arizona. Nice. Gabe?
3: Um, nope. Nothing on my end. Go Cats. Bear down. <laughs> Bear down.
0: See you guys next week.